0: Welcome to another episode of the SaaS podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. Today's interview is with Josh Ledgard. Josh is the co founder of Kickoff Labs, a lead generation platform which provides easy to set up landing pages combined with lead capture forms and email marketing to help grow your customers. Josh and his co-founder, Scott, launched Kickoff Labs in 2011 and since then have helped their customers generate over 3 million leads. Josh, welcome
1: to the show. Uh, Thanks, Omer. Uh, Great to be here. So
0: I've told our audience just a little bit about you. Tell us in your own words a little bit more about you personally, and then give us an overview of your product and business.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do so. So, um, you know, me personally, um, I live, uh, I live fairly close to you in a small town, uh, outside of, uh, outside of, uh, Seattle called Sammamish, Washington. Um, I've got a wife and a two year old and a four year old. Um, and I started, uh, I started this business with Scott, um, while, uh, I had a, a six month old. So when our four month old was, uh, or our four year old rather was, uh, was, was, uh, only four to six months old, um, and that might seem an odd time to most people to go from a, a steady um, uh, well i mean on paper a great job I was uh, running uh, a product team for a company based in Dallas and that had about thirty people working on my product team and um, and had uh, a lot of a lot of say and a lot of uh, a lot of influence on the product and really enjoyed working on it but um, I did not enjoy the uh, the the sixty hour a week uh, a, a week lifestyle that that kind of uh, that that role demanded, and I realized that you know to kind of get anywhere um, I had to have a bigger equity share and I realized it wasn 't going to happen at that company and so well, how do you get a bigger equity share and I thought you know what you own the business <laughs> and then you control exactly uh, what <clears throat> excuse me what uh, what sort of equity share you get and um, I've made a lot of choices uh, that one and, and since then based on, you know, what gets uh, what helps me not just professionally, but personally find you know, more happiness, more time uh, with my family and the ability to um, enjoy life um, rather than working uh, 60 hours a week.
0: Now, most people don't start a business so they can create more of a balance in their life. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to, I think that's going to be an area that I love to talk a little bit more about and find out how you're doing that because you clearly you are doing that and you're, you're having, you're having success with that. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in, in a while now, before we dive into more details, we, we like to kick things off with a success quote to better understand what drives and motivates our guests. What is one of your favorite success quotes?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm still going to go with, uh, with, uh, Yoda, uh, do or do not, there is no try. Um, and I picked that whenever somebody asked me for for a quote, um, especially because I see so many you know, of, of, our, uh, of our customers and other people in the startup space um, with today's sort of minimum viable product mentality that don't really focus on the viable part. They put a lot in the try minimal part. Um, And they're not really doing it. They're not really going for the product and they miss, they miss the part of MVP that's, that's like, that's viable, that's core. And so I say, you really have to do it. You can't just try. Like if you try and put up a landing page and say, oh, I'm going to see if it gets any hits, um, those people are just destined to fail. Um, But if you say, I'm going to put up these Four landing pages. I'm going to market each one of them in a separate way, and I'm really going to put effort behind them. And I'm going to see which one works, and then I'm going to really go after that business. Um, they're doing it, um, and they're still doing it. MVP. They're doing it as small as possible batch that they can, but they're actually putting effort behind it. And that's why. Uh, and that's why I like the the quote of um, I feel like a lot of day uh, a lot of times today people have you know, great ideas, and and they just try these great ideas. They don't actually they don't actually do it. Um, and they give up on them potentially too early without enough effort.
0: So I love that quote for two reasons. One, I think, uh, for the reasons that you just explained. And then secondly, I actually use that quote uh, with my kids every time they tell me, I'll try and do something. Um, so it, it has, it, it's a very universal <laughs> quote. Okay, let's start by giving our listeners a better understanding of Kickoff Labs. Tell me a little bit more about who your target customers are.
1: Yeah. So today, um, when I look at when I look at our product, uh, about fifty percent of our business comes from uh, people who are setting up new businesses. So that's and that was a, the original core of our product was uh, was the kickoff part of it. So people that are launching a new startup, people that are launching a new product, uh, people even at existing companies. Uh, like one of our early success stories was KLM Airlines was launching a new app. Um, that's a product launch within a larger company. So about 50% of our business is either new or existing companies doing a product launch of some kind that they want to have a landing page um, or an opt-in form for. Um, the other 50% is, I would say, um, primarily existing business, people that work in marketing that are doing, uh, what I would say is a, is a growth, uh, campaign, a campaign designed to expand their audience. So they might have 10,000 people on an email list and they want to get that email list up to 20,000 people. And they'll set up uh, landing pages with either incentives, be it, um, an ebook, a PDF, uh, for something that they're, they're downloading or a contest or say, Hey, you know, uh, Sign up, sign up, and you know you'll be entered to win. And oh, by the way, if you get five five of your friends to sign up, um, or the person who gets the most of the referrals to sign up, um, they also get something. And that speaks to um, you know the, those two customer segments: the the product launch, the new and existing, and the existing trying to growth speaks to one of the unique value propositions we have, which is re- rather than simply focusing on a landing page builder. Um, our goal is to, is to make things um, as optimally viral as possible. So we offer a unique uh, referral system, meaning that if you sign up and you download my, my company's PDF and we give you a share link to say, hey, uh, Omer, go ahead and share this with uh, with your friends. And if you share to 10 people, we're going to give you, in some cases, like an e-commerce site, they'll give you $25 to spend. Um, if you can get 10 people signed up uh, to the at, at the e-commerce site, um, and we enable that tracking. We enable that reward um, for those uh, for those customers. And so um, that's kind of more of our, our niche in the lead generation is focusing on that uh, on scenarios where you really want to get customers bringing in uh, other customers. And um, not that everybody needs a viral coefficient of greater than one, um, where you're seeing that hockey stick style growth. But if you just think about it, that's not what you need to be successful. You might just need to make your $100 in marketing act like it's $135 in marketing. And so that's generally what we see is um, through these forms, whether or not you even add incentive on sharing, just even having a share option on a thank you page um, will get you 30 to 40% more leads um, than you were previously getting.
0: Can you give me an example of a particular success that a customer had using Kickoff Labs? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh one particular example of customer success uh, there's, there's so many there's so many fun ones um, one of my favorite companies is uh that that uses our product is uh is called uh, uh Chubbies um they make these um th- they make these shorts um that are uh I'd say uh I don't know what the best way to describe them they're extremely short shorts for men that they, uh, that you would wear, uh, I guess on a golf course, that's where some of their pictures come from and their wild colors, their plaid. Um, <clears throat> they really get their, their niche of their, their customer. They sent me a, fr- a free pair and my wife laughed at me and <laughs> she said, I don't think you can wear those. You're too old for these shorts. Um, and, uh, and she's probably right. Um, <clears throat> but they do, um, they do uh, about every other month. They do. A, they come up with a different promotion, and one of the recent ones was called uh, uh, Cyber Monday. Um, and they uh, the contest Cyber Monday uh, was uh, they wanted to get people to like them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter, give them their email address was step one um, that would enter them to win um, a prize. And then they had a, a range of prizes. Um, basically from a, a thank you email, if you've got one friend referred to, um, $10 off, if you got five friends and then, you know, it, it, they escalated for the referrals. But the, the key point is that they made it achievable for everyone to achieve some level of referral because, you know, if you set a prize reward too high in a contest, you scare off a lot of people who say, I'm never going to get, you know, a hundred of my friends to sign up. But if you say, I'll give you something, if you just get one friend to sign up. And then I'll give you something more if you get four friends to sign up. And then I'll give you something, and you 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 have prizes for kind of every level of influencer along the way. Um, and every time they run one of these contests, I mean they seed it with a couple thousand people that they send to the page, and they're always tripling that couple thousand by the end of the uh, by the end of the contest um, in terms of growing their their mailing list. And so it's been a really um, Really winning strategy for them to grow their audience, and they know as a, as an e-commerce site selling these shorts online, the larger their mailing list, the more likely they are to to have people coming and shopping and buying uh, on a regular basis.
0: I, I just checked out the website while you were explaining that, and and while the guys with those pictures look, you know, pretty pretty good, there's no way I could get away with wearing something like that. So, Josh, let, let's talk about the early days of Kickoff Labs and explore how you got started. First of all, t- tell me where did the idea for Kickoff Labs come from?
1: Yeah, so Scott and I um, had both had been both been working for the same company, and I think within the span of about a month, um, I, I told Scott first, "Hey, I'm going to leave. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't know what it is." Um, he said, "Oh, you beat me by a month. I was going to tell you that next month." <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, and so I and we'd worked pretty closely at, at this company, and so uh, we just sort of started talking, like, "Hey, you know." Two, chances chances. Two is better than one. Let's uh, let's see if we can come up with some ideas and, and work together. Um, and you know, we put together. Um, you know, we must have had like one sentence ideas for like fifty different things we could do. We kind of took about twenty five of those and wrote like a paragraph out of you know to to narrow that down. We went from that twenty five down to about five or six different ideas where we had like two or three pages written out about what that would mean um, and what kind of product that would be. And then at that point, it really felt like, boy, to go any more detail, we're just absolutely guessing. Like, I'm just writing in, oh, the potential market is this big based on Google queries, based on customers, based on these businesses. And then, because um, it's important for us both having families, it had to be something that could be profitable. We couldn't go after kind of a consumer space. We wanted to go more business to business um, and and try and uh, and do something that we could attach a price to. Um and, uh, and so we, um, but it turned out, I mean, once you get to a certain stage of writing out your business plan, you're just guessing the numbers, the conversion percentages, and what really meant something to us was, well, you know, what's really important is could we successfully market any one of these ideas, um, and get people to sign up for it. And back in, you know, 2000, 2010, 2011, that was a much more novel idea. And, um, it kind of, I think Scott said, you know what we really need is some sort of service just to generate pages for each of these five ideas, and then then we th- then at least at the end of the day we'll have a service that generates these five pages. <laughs> and uh, you know, this is how developers think because we both came <laughs> technical um, more technical background, and then we added that to our list of ideas and. Um, it turns out that was the one that we were able to get the most uh, weight in terms of people actually willing to give us their email address and, and information on, and the one that we were able to market most successfully um, as we were starting to think through wh- how we would actually build uh, build a product. And uh, so, like I said, our, our core initial audience was definitely um, that own that that our own use case of. Quickly put a page up and and throw some ads at it, or throw you know throw it on Facebook and see if you could get uh, interest and email capture Um, features. You know came from then we started just growing from you know our from uh, from I mean I'm simplifying the growth story. I think you have a question maybe later about that, but um, then we really just started advancing on the idea based on the direction our customer what kind of data we were getting from our customers. So. You know, From there, they said, oh, well, could you send an autoresponder email? Sure. And then from there, they said, well, you know, it'd be really great to be able to reward people that get three people with early access. Great, done, we'll do the virality feature. Um, and we just focused on what our customers were telling us. And we just kept doing that over and over again through iterations of the product as we were, as we were growing.
0: So you you had these ideas or a short list of ideas, and it's so from what I understand, you created landing pages for each of these ideas, yep. Drove traffic to them and captured email addresses and and basically measured which idea was getting the most interest from potential customers.
1: Yep, and and then like I said, it, we actually included in the list of ideas the idea of a. Tool that generated these pages.
0: <laughs> so you were basically doing manually what Kickoff Labs does for your customers today. Yes, got it. Okay. Tell me about one or two of the other ideas you tested.
1: Um, one that we actually uh, that we actually developed um, to a certain level, where we, we actually had a private beta and we were getting some customers on board, um, it was called uh, it was called Sift Social. Um, and the idea was, uh, and the idea was that you, um, there's all of the, the this noise going through. If you're a larger company on on Twitter, um, about you know in your space, either not just about your product, but about your know, your space, your industry. So for us, it might be you know people talking about marketing and people talking about landing pages. Um, and there's a lot of employees at your company that are. Um, paying attention to this uh, to the social media, perhaps in their own way, they've each got their own sort of hootsuite account. They've each got their own Twitter account, and they they read things, but they're not doing things together. Um, and so the idea for uh, the idea for Sift Social was: could we make it so that if you were a larger company, your employees were collaboratively sifting through all of these shared sh- shared searches on Twitter um, or Facebook or other places where you could do shared searches? And bubbling up what was most important to your business. So it would start with people. You know, you look at sort of if you could imagine a company like Microsoft and they've got a thousand people who might work in a in a group, um, and they all are sharing or, or you know retweeting or you know favoriting within within Sift Social the same articles. Then you might want to bubble those up <clears throat> and share them on a larger basis. Either reshare them publicly, reshare them internally add them to a queue that would say, hey, we should write a blog post about this because it's related to our product. And so the idea was sort of like, um, um, if you imagine like not a social CRM, but an idea uh, manager where you would just take these, the, these tweets and these links, and you would bubble them up internally for one to kind of rank them and help people internally see what the interesting buzz in their industry was, but then also take action on them to put them into a queue to say, write a blog post, retweet, buffer this uh, this, uh, the, this thing. Um, and uh, I really liked the idea. Um, and we had, um, we had a couple groups at Microsoft um, 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 beta testing it. And we had good feedback on it. Um, but as we were developing it, it just felt more and more that Twitter is just going to pull the rug out from under anyone that does this idea. Um, and it turns out we were right because it was uh, about the same time Kickoff Labs actually started uh, uh, taking off more as a product. And uh, and then about that time where Kickoff Labs was taking off, um, two things happened. One, had at a, at a mentor tell me, you know, it looks like you've got one product over here at a certain revenue level with barely any effort why are you building this other thing at the same time? Why aren't you just focusing on the one? Um, and, then, um, and then Twitter um, kind of killed a lot of their API access for clients is when they started consolidating who could do what and access the API um, and basically saying services like what we were doing, they didn't want to have them done by third parties. And they bought up some of the people who were close to doing this. Um, I forget the name. There were a couple of companies Twitter bought that were doing something similar uh, not quite a collaborative filtering, but more automated filtering. Um, and, uh, it just seemed like, uh, it just seemed like Twitter was going to, uh, and they, they would have, they would have, uh, made what we were doing cost prohibitive.
0: So when you tested these ideas, you didn't just pick the one, you kept going with a couple of them.
1: Um, we kept going with that one. We didn't go with the, we didn't go any further with, uh, with, with the other ideas.
0: And and how how clear cut was the feedback that you got that this this landing page solution was the product that you guys should be building?
1: How clear cut was it? Yeah, from um, feedback. You know, it, at the time it felt very clear cut, but really it shouldn't have been. Um, it just was the one where um, it was the one where I mean. We got twice as many, you know, emails captured as any of the other ideas we published for the same amount of effort marketing. Um, it was the one where um, people would say, well, we I'd pay for that more than anyone else. Um, it was the one where uh, we we knew more people in, this, in the entrepreneurial space than we knew in other spaces. Um, and so it was kind of easy. Um, that necessarily shouldn't inform somebody to say like, oh, you should always do the easiest thing. Um, but in our case, the science just kept pointing to it, um, saying uh, along the way, and like I said, even when we built out betas of uh, of this product, uh, Kickoff Labs, and then the, the CIF Social product, um, it just, you know, it kept growing more organically than the CIF Social product was going to require more of a sales effort, more of a in-person, you know, going to these companies, getting them set up, teaching them how to use it uh, successfully effort than I think we were, we had the resources to invest in at the time.
0: Did you guys build a product yourself or hire a developer?
1: Uh, we, we built it ourselves.
0: And how did you go about getting your first few customers?
1: <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, we uh, we, we since we were, had built a landing page, we had a, a launch list. Um, and we, we'd envisioned that the, the day we launched, we're going to send out this email and, um, and you know, we're, we're going to get a huge percentage of these people who are on our list. They're going to come and they're going to click buy because they gave us their email address. They wanted the product. Right. Um, and, um, and it turns out that was just Wednesday. Um, it wasn't a day that, uh, <laughs> it it wasn't a day that, you know, saw a ton of money being made and and the first, um, and even the, the, the first month, I think we had, you know, maybe two or three paying customers the point where, you know, we, uh, uh you know, we, before expenses that, you know, we'd made, you know, maybe 10, 10 or $20. Um, cause we were pretty cheap at the time we first launched cause we did go with the minimal, um, concept. Um, uh, and, um, and so I, I remember telling Sky, I was like, so what are you going to do with your $5? And he said, uh, <laughs> he said, hookers and Coke. And I said, you are going to have to seriously lower your standards <laughs> for what you're going to spend your $5 on. And, uh, and, uh, so the, that didn't work as well as we thought. I mean, we did keep emailing them more of those people converted. Um, uh, what worked best was realizing that we didn't, despite our best efforts to build our own audience, we didn't really have an audience yet, um, of people that could buy the product. And so we had to reach out, uh, one at a time, uh, to get people to come purchase. So, um, literally, um, we would go, I would go on Twitter for, uh, for 20 minutes a day, and look for people who are posting about landing pages, who are posting about competitors, and I would find something personal about them, so it wasn't just spam. And I'd send like 20 or 30 of these tweets a day, is like, "Hey, it looks like you're having a problem with X company. You know, um, you, you're a Vanderbilt grad. I went to Vanderbilt. Um, why don't you try my product? And we'll keep it in. Uh, we'll keep it in the black and gold. And I, I just, I had to come up with you know these personal engagements so that you know I wasn't going out and just doing this tweet bot spam like. You said landing pages. Come try our product. Um, I wanted to actually, I had to actually to get people to respond and really drive people. I had to personalize it to um, uh, to what they were saying on Twitter to their to their bio. Um, that was a big strategy early on. Um, there was a competitor uh, that got bought up, and uh, and uh, at the time called uh, LaunchRock, and they were at the time restricting who could use their product to the people who had invited three. And I would just email people and say, real entrepreneurs don't wait in line. Um, they actually just launched their product, and you can do that today with our solution. Um, that got us a lot of customers. But again, it was reaching out very personally to these people who had frustrations with an alternative solution or frustrations about marketing in the space, um, and then also. Um, finding places where people were discussing, um, these problems online. I mean, literally there's a board in, on, uh, on Quora, um, which is a and a Q&A site on, on the internet. Um, I recommend anybody check it out. Um, especially if you're listening to this podcast and you're not on Quora, you probably should be, um, that, um, people literally, there's a subtopic where people talk about landing pages. And so realized that going in there and answering people's questions about landing pages, um, and putting in the signature that, Hey, I'm the founder of this company. We do landing pages, um, would drive a ton of traffic, um, back to us because that's where the audience was. And so we had to, we learned that we had to engage where the audience was and we had to engage them personally, whether it was personally addressing their concern, whether it was personally speaking to them through their biography or personally answering their question. Um, and I think that's where <clears throat> I think that's where a lot of people talk about when you talk about the hustle. Like that's how I think it's done is, is you have to be really personal, you have to spend the time and the effort to engage people, to draw them back into your product, to get them to give you a chance. Because you as a as as newer business or even a, a growing business, um, people don't know who you are, and I'd still say that's true about about our business at this point. Most most of our potential customers have not yet heard about us.
0: So, after you and Scott celebrated and and split the ten dollars, how did the subsequent months look for you? Uh, you know, were you starting to get more paying customers coming in, and and was the revenue revenue going up?
1: Yeah, I mean. It's never, it's never this steady line, um, where you say we were every month you say, wow, that was way better than last month. The next month will be even better. It would come in, it would come in burst. So we're a recurring revenue product for subscription based. Um, and so you'd have, um, you'd have a, a couple months where, you know, things would just like, you'd see crazy growth because somebody would do a blog post about you or, um, you, you we had a, and some articles written about us. Um, and then, the next month, it'd just be flat, and then you'd have you know two or three months where there'd be no growth at all, where you sort of question like, why am I doing this? It's not growing. And then you do something that works, and you see another two or three months of of steady steady growth. Um, and so, you know, we launched in um, in, Ju- in July of that year, and then by the end of the year, we'd made um, we'd only made about eight thousand dollars by the end of the year. Um, but the trend was a positive one overall when you looked at the six months that, that convinced us to keep going, um, the next, and for the next six months. And we kept seeing that growth. And when you say, what is it, what did it look like for me? I mean, a lot of it really was realizing that, um, the mistake that I see a lot of our own customers making, which was that, um, people, uh, subscribe and we did it too as developers to the, if you build it, they will come philosophy. And the reality was, you know, you have to tell them about it, and then even once you tell them about it, you have to tell them again. Um, and so, a lot of my days were spent w- while we were growing: um, a, doing that, reaching out personally on Twitter, or on Core, on other internet boards and niche communities where people were talking about landing pages and launch, product launches, and 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 growth. Um, so, reaching out personally. Then, once we had somebody who signed up for a free account, because we had we've got a free account level, um, and I'd see what they did also then reaching out personally again and say, hey, it looks like your your page is, you know, targeted towards this market. Um, if I could offer a suggestion on the copy you've put on your page, and I would just give them personal advice and say, hey, you know, just here's my two cents um, that would help really help your, your page. Um, and people appreciated that. And that drove a lot of our early upgrades is just being really personal. Um, we did personally email and give personalized advice to the Uh, at least the first thousand people who signed up with our product. And it's a practice we still do today. Um, We just, we, we optimize how we, how we spend our time and and who, to who we give that advice to. So we look for people who are more serious and then uh, we've got a way to rank, uh, rank our leads and then say, okay, who should we really spend time and and personalize our advice to if we're going to try and convince a free customer to upgrade. Um, And so a lot of our time was spent uh, literally just doing that. And then, when we'd see two or three people request a feature, then we'd just go build the feature. We'd say, that's enough. If we can get two or three people who are paying us that asked for this feature, it's probably worth building.
0: Looking back at those early days, what do you think was one of the biggest mistakes that you made?
1: Um, The biggest mistakes is, is again, another one I see a lot of our customers make, and you can't tell people it's a mistake because people don't believe you until they live it, um, is trying to over-optimize things with minimal, uh, with minimal traffic. And so a couple of examples, um, a couple of examples I can give is saying like, Oh, I'm going to run these, uh, these AB tests on our homepage. Um, when you've already got maybe, you know, 10 to 20% people converting on your homepage. Um, your problem is you only had 200 people coming, coming in a week to your homepage. Right. Um, and, I think we spend a lot of time uh, looking at different parts of the product and trying to optimize um, and trying to optimize things where the problem wasn't the the optimization the problem was just the volume going through it um, I talked to a lot of customers who say, um, I, I talked to a lot of customers. One customer who quit uh, our product pretty recently, and because I try and reach out to people who close their accounts and see what didn't work for them, and, and I hear this sad thing over and over again. Is, so, so why do you why do you stop? And I said, well, um, I, I just didn't see the traction. And I optimized the landing page and I A/B tested it, um, and uh, and then I go and I look at their account numbers and i see like they only ever had you know 75 or 100 unique views and they got 20 sign ups and that's you know a 30% conversion rate i said wow so you had a 30% conversion rate on what you were doing i said you did not have a conversion problem and you focused all this time on conversions you had a traffic problem right you didn't drive people to look at what you were what you were doing because if you're getting a 30% conversion rate that's not your problem your problem is are you exploiting that 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 enough you know by Driving enough people at it, um, and so I see people, and it's human nature. People tend to optimize on for things that they can, they think they can control more, more directly. So, tweaking something on your homepage, tweaking your marketing copy, those are things you have direct control. You could just sit at your computer and do it all day long. Um, but things you have less control over are how do I get you know the ninety nine point nine nine percent of potential customers out there who've never heard of us to hear about us. That's a much harder problem that your brain wants to retreat from.
0: Okay, Josh. So you've, you've turned this idea into a product. You've got people using it. Um, you end the year with $8,000 of revenue. Tell me what the growth looked like in, in the subsequent years.
1: Um, it's, 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 it was steady growth, um, since then. So, um, we're at a point now where we've got uh, you know we're still not a large company. We've got um, somebody who works pretty much full time on sort of support and customer success. Um we've got somebody who's working on now on 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 sort of marketing and um, and our funnels. um and then we've got a few contractors who work with us on design and, and development, um and then we're able to actually pay ourselves a reasonable uh, a reasonable wage at this point, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Scott and I. And so, Um, it's, it's been steady growth. I'd always like it to be better. Uh, but it's, uh, it's enabled us, you know, it enabled me, for example, in the last year I took, um, five weeks and took my family to to Ireland on a, on a trip. Um, and I worked maybe two or three hours a day while I was there and, you know, things didn't fall off a cliff and it was, uh, it was, uh, opening (laughs) to me, uh, to be able to, to be at a state where, where, uh, I could do that.
0: Yeah, you know, I've been I've been seeing um a number of stories and talking to uh, a few people who have built successful businesses and still managed to not work, you know, insane hours and have balance and either have family time or more social time. And and I think that that is a really interesting trend where because everybody Oh, I think most people have this stereotype expectation that if I'm going to go and build this business, I'm going to have to work 80, 100 hours a week. I'm going to have to work all the weekends. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of role models out there who will tell you that that's what they do. So you assume that that's the way I I have to go too. So I think it's always really inspiring when, when I hear stories such as yours that, you know, you guys can build a successful business without, you know, going, you know, you, I'm sure you work hard, but it's not, you know, going crazy every day
1: yeah and there and there's you know and there, there's certain there's certainly times where you know the work you, you there there is a ton of work and things have to be set up for you have to set yourself up and you have to realize that's one of your goals because I, I do think that if scott and i you know if we said okay we're not going to prioritize family time you know he's not going to play the, the 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 soccer mom and and, and take it and take his daughter to to, to soccer every day and, and do that kind of stuff there's things that mean, you know we could have potentially moved faster on, and I think we'd 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 accelerate things a little bit quicker. Um, but you just have to choose you know what what you're going to optimize for um, in, in your in your life and, and in in the business. Um, and then there's you know there's other parts to it, which is um, <clears throat> sorry um, things that things that we've done um, wouldn't work uh, w- wouldn't have worked quite well. So making that seven thousand dollars in the first six months. Um, if both of us hadn't already set aside savings, you know, for our family from working really hard at our previous job, um, <laughs> then that wouldn't have, <clears throat> we wouldn't have had that runway. Right. And so, you know, I, I look at things I did and say, like, wow, I can't believe I worked that hard. But on the other hand, having worked, you know, to that level and, and pushing myself for the, lo- the last few years before that enabled me to have a savings to where I could have the runway until kickoff labs is at the point. It took about a year, um, until kickoff jobs are at the point where we, we could actually, instead of just having to reinvest it all back in the business, we could invest it in ourselves and actually pay ourselves a reasonable wage, um, for what we were doing. Um, and that took about a, a year after we launched to get to that, to that stage. But to, to get that runway, you know, some people it requires that they're going to have to, you know, work and do their startup at the same time. And then, yeah, that's a 60 hour a week. If you've got a 40 hour a week job and you are trying to build something on the side, um, um it's you know 60, 80 hour week um or you you decide you're gonna build up a savings first, and then it takes two or three years to potentially build up um build up the savings because you knew that was your goal and i mean I'd made the ch- decision the choice for myself about you know two years in advance knowing that i wanted to we wanted to build a savings for our family so that I could have the runway to build this
0: now as you, you know often with growth come growing pains and you know, the you 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 guys clearly got traction. the The first year gave you the runway to start building this business. But as you grow, you know, you, I think you start to face a different set of challenges. So, tell me about one big challenge that you faced as your business started to grow.
1: One big challenge. Um, I mean, there, there's a couple, and and they seem to they seem to every now and then they repeat. Um, I mean, I'd say. You know, right now, um, the, the challenge—a challenge that we're looking at—is you know, looking at our at our at our retention for our users. And say, as a, as a SaaS business, um, you know, you hit these plateaus in revenue. And you know, I remember I talked about earlier, things kind of you know, they go up and then they plateau and they go up and they plateau. Um, and for a, a subscription-based service, a big reasoning for that plateau is—is is are people quitting? You know, how many people leave within a month, right? that is actually a huge limiting factor um for your growth and so um part of these challenges is figuring out you know okay what is causing people to leave and and quit your product um and having to really analyze when people leave um what what was driving that what was causing the lack of retention um in the in the product because it turns out that all of these plateaus we had um we've had in revenue and and um and even you know some of the challenges we face today our, you know the the big challenge we face is okay how do we get to the next plateau how do we re, you know lower that retention rate even further you know or not lower the retention rate, how do we raise the retention rate lower the uh, uh, the cancellation rate so that you know we we have you know we get more lifetime value out of out of each customer, um, and um, the answer is always slightly different. So um, I'd say uh, early on it involved you know realizing that. Um, Let's say, uh, and some of the, the answers are the same. So our product, like I said initially for people who are launching new businesses. And that's what it was, the, the key, the key of it was. But if you think about that market, if that market is 95% of your customers, they are horrible customers. Businesses fail. And eight out of, you know, what's the stat? Like nine out of 10 businesses fail. So that means that you're, ca- we were catering to a customer alone, like just catering to that customer and then saying, saying, you know what, there's two things that are going to happen with that customer. Their business is, they're they're going to give up the idea, hence the business fails within two to three months, and then they're no longer paying us. Or they're going to be wildly successful. They're going to keep the landing page up for maybe six months, and then they're going to quit because they have the resources to build their custom page. They have the resources, they're like, we're going to build our our own website. Um, And so a big part of our challenge has been realizing, okay, One, can we offer product and services to people that have passed that first stage and were successful? Right. So you've launched your website, but then the question still becomes, how are you, how are you capturing people's email addresses? Do you have opt in forms on your page to, to give away a PDF and capture email? Because just because you have a website doesn't mean you need to stop collecting, uh, collecting an audience. Um, And so hence that became, uh, you know, features that drove into, into opt in forms. Um, and then, you know, contests in terms of, you know, engage, re-engaging customer, customer lists, running contests. And then, uh, and then two, um, you know, should we build some features, uh, some features that aren't just for, do we have to shift our audience? So looking at our audience and saying, you know, we can't cater 100% to, to entrepreneurs, um, because like I said, they can be terrible, terrible customers, um, because of the nature of their business. And so can we expand the reach of our product? Um, add you know other other features to our form where you can just have it as a standalone. You could run a contest where we push information to MailChimp, where we push information to AWeber. We've got these integrations into Salesforce and other CRM tools so that we can cater to a different type of customer that has recurring campaigns they're constantly kicking off. Um, and so that's um, an ongoing challenge, I would say, for any SaaS businesses looking at both um, how do you grow you know, the audience of people coming in, but then how do you keep them once they have it? And those two sides of the coin, I find the retention to be kind of a bigger challenge. Um, you can pay for traffic. If you've got any sort of revenue, you can re-divert that into advertisements. You can start paying for it. So you can cheat a little bit on the, on the traffic and, and sort of growing um, the incoming, the top of the funnel part. It's much harder to cheat on the somebody is using their product and they decide what they're deciding whether or not they should keep using your product because that's based on the merits of value that they're getting from it. And so that requires constant analysis of, you know, why are why would customers leave? What could you have done to kept them? Like do you have something that would have kept them around longer? Um, and that's an ongoing challenge for for anyone including us.
0: Okay. We started this conversation by going back to where the idea for Kickoff Labs came from. And then we've taken this journey together and how you turned that idea into a successful product. Let's talk about the business today. How many customers do you currently have?
1: Uh, We currently have about, I would say about a thousand active paying customers.
0: And do you still keep the, you still have a free plan as well? So you presumably have uh, quite a few users on that yeah.
1: too. There's there's a lot of uh, so I clarified the thousand saying that's like paying active, but then there's that the the all the people who are you know potentially active and free uh, on the other side. That's that's the bigger you know the bigger bubble, obviously.
0: And what's your revenue today?
1: Um, we're gonna hit. Uh, we'll, we'll probably be around uh, around thirty five uh, to forty thousand uh, each month.
0: Oh, that's great. congratulations so what is the one thing in your business that you're most excited about right now?
1: uh it's hard to say one thing um, two I say I'm gonna say two i'm gonna cheat <laughs> uh, one we've been doing uh we've been doing uh, every other week we've been doing um, uh, live chats with our customers um and doing uh, uh webinars um and we were just doing um we've been primarily I think we've done uh done 8 or 9 of them now and most of them have been just hey show up and we'll review your landing page if you uh if you if you show up and submit it and you're you're there we'll we'll take a live look and give you feedback on your landing page um and i love doing that because it's fun it's exciting it's it's a challenge because you get these you know wildly different landing pages um, and it's been a way that we could start scaling some of that personalization when we did when we were smaller and we would personally email and, and give people advice. And it was a realization that we had to say, Hey, what if that was public knowledge? Like we're putting the effort into reviewing these people's landing pages in, but what are we getting out of it? And maybe that's selfish, but, um, could we do that in a way that's public and get people to volunteer to put their page on display publicly? um, and we'll tear it down for them, for them live. Um, and it starts to look, it started to really, it's really taken off in terms of the people who are showing up to the chats, um, and the people who are sending their, their pages. And we get people that use our competitors that show up. Um, and that's always fun because I can recognize the competitor pages and I can tell them what, you know, why they'd be better off with our solution, but (laughs) it's figuring out how we made those, did those personal things early on and figure out how we make them scale to the next level. And that's really exciting to me is how we're getting out of this. Everything's done personally for each customer and, and and how we're scaling that so that we can amplify the growth beyond where we are. Um, and then the second thing is I'm always excited, you know, being a product person the the next release, um, so by the time people hear this podcast, it'll be out. Um, we're putting opt-in forms, um, exit intent widgets, pop-up forms unequal playing field with landing pages in the product. Before, they are kind of a sub-feature of landing pages. You have to build a page first, and then you could also have a form. Um, now it's just going to be a level playing field. They're pretty much the, given the same weight in the next version of the product. Um, got a, a great feature called uh, Any Form, which is a script. Um, you just drop it onto... Um, any could be our template. It could be any, uh, any form you've, you've, uh, you've built, it could be something you downloaded off theme Forest, It'll turn it into a kickoff labs, viral form. So, um, that solves a huge problem from us because no matter how many templates we could build or have partners build for landing pages, um, somebody always has something else specific in mind for the look of their page. Um, and so we see that all the time with our customers like, Oh, can you just give me this specific look? Well, you know what? Now you just you see a look you like, go buy it, drop the script on it, and boom, you've got it wired up, you'll get the autoresponder, you'll get the virality. Um, you could even wire it up if you're using one of our competitors, you could make their pages viral as long as you're also um, using our service um, because you may like the look of their template better and you can still use um, our viral feature of it. Um, and and also just uh, you know a lot a lot of huge overhaul in our, our reporting, because one of our goals is is how we help people make smarter choices about where they invest their effort. Um, so giving them better reports to say, hey, it's not just that you have a 20% conversion rate, but you have a 50% conversion rate from Facebook and only a 2% conversion rate from your AdWords. Maybe you should think about doubling down your effort on Facebook. And so trying to give people that more proactive advice to focus their energy um, is you know, just some of the features that are in the, the next release we're working on.
0: All right. It's now time for our lightning round. I've got to ask you a series of questions and I'd like you to answer them as quickly as you can. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Great. Let's do it. What's the best piece of business advice that you ever received?
1: Um, for a manager of mine, if uh, if missing your release date by one week or one month is going to kill your business, then something else was fundamentally wrong. Um, and that's just a, you know advice just to focus on, on on what you're doing and get it right, not quickly.
0: What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Uh,
1: for me, it, was, it still has to be the, the four-hour work week um, and not because I work four hours a week, but because it, <laughs> it really just sort of changed a lot of what I was thinking about um, in terms of my life and the priorities and how I wanted to spend it and how I could potentially spend it going forward.
0: What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur?
1: Uh, people I look up to uh, in the entrepreneurial space is no matter how many hours a week they learn, uh, the, uh, how many hours a week they work, it's that they are able to focus on the things that seem to drive them the most value and ignore things that are less important. Um, and that's just something I think everybody could, could work better at, whether they're working at their current job and, or their own company is just, you know, the 80-20 rule. And that seems to be the characteristic that I see shared universally amongst, um, really successful entrepreneurs.
0: What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit?
1: Uh, related to that, the days I'm most productive are the days that start with me looking over a larger list of you know goals for a company and, and my to-do list and just picking two or three things and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock these out. I can ignore everything else, but I'm going to get these done. The days where I don't do that are the days where I just sort of wander off and I wonder at the end of the day, like, what did I accomplish today?
0: Let's say you had a successful exit with Kickoff Labs, and you wanted to start over tomorrow. How, how would you go about finding that next business
1: idea? How would I go about finding the next business idea? Um, it depends how successful the exit was. Uh, <laughs> partially because uh, you know some ideas require more capital, I think, than than others. I'm just realistic about that. Um, I'm sort of a pragmatist. I, I would personally. Um, I personally look to, you know, combine two things, which is one, uh, trends that I see in a marketplace or three things trends I see in, in marketplaces that I enjoy. So working with customers that you like is, is incredibly important. If you don't have respect or like the people that you're serving, um, then you're going to have a bad time, um, and then two, um i guess what i said like things that things that i enjoy so passions passions that i have um and sort of trying to find the best mix of the two anybody that tells you it's all about just passion or all about chasing the money then i, I think i think they're wrong i think that, that, that there's gray space in the middle
0: what's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know <laughs>
1: um well i think i, I mentioned i mentioned it earlier um, you know, we started kickoff labs and, uh, when, uh, and the idea to do it when, uh, you know, my, my wife was pregnant that six month old, like in that time span, like what's the best time to start a new business? Oh, when you've got a pregnant wife or a six month old, <laughs> it seems, it seems, uh, it seems obvious. And then, you know, even other choices we're making, like, uh, we're actually, uh, we're actually moving, uh, into the, into the city and another, uh, another couple, Well, by, by next year we'll be in the city as a, as a, as a personal choice, um, just because it's, Sort of questions, I enjoy questioning obvious assumptions people make and seeing, you know, could we have an experience that's different than what everybody else expects?
0: And finally, what is one of your most important passions outside of your work?
1: Um, so uh, you know, obviously, my family, uh, my wife, two year old girl, four year old boy keep me busy, but personal passion. Um, I play about, uh, 30 to 40, um, adult baseball games a a summer. So it's actually real baseball, not softball. Uh, next week, for example, I'm heading down to Arizona to play in a national tournament. Um, and, uh, and so it's, uh, it's baseball has always been a passion of mine. Um, it's, you know, when I looked at where I was going to work, uh, when I graduated college, I said, well, if, if, I, if I can't play major league baseball, I might as well go to the major league baseball of software. And so that's what drove me to choose a, a job at Microsoft. So I was like, well, that's the major league baseball of software, right? So <laughs> um, uh, that's, uh, that's my passion outside of work.
0: All right. Great answers. Josh, I want to thank you for joining me today and talking about Kickoff Labs. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing your experiences and your insights with our audience. And thank you for letting us get to know you a little better personally as well. Now, if folks want to find out more about Kickoff Labs, they can go to kickofflabs dot com. Mm-hmm. And if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Uh they could email me, uh Josh at kickofflabs dot com and um and uh and, and reach out that way. It's probably the best way.
0: Awesome. Thanks again, Josh, and I wish you continued success. Uh thank you. Cheers.